Welcome to episode 96 of Tactical Crouch. We're five episodes away from 100. We got to figure out what we're going to do for that episode, by the way. I'll probably drink. I don't know. You guys don't do that for 96? I'm trying to get a little swifty. I do that for all the even episodes as well as all of the odd episodes. See, see. There we go. Yeah. Anyways, hey, welcome to Tactical Crouch. I'm Kick Tripod. Joined, of course, by Yiska and Volamel. We've got a ton to talk about before we do. Quick, very quick housekeeping things. Uh, first, like the show. Uh, follow it on Twitter, Tactical underscore Crouch. Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Tactical Crouch. Great way to support the show right now. But we actually we actually have a, a brief uh, uh, ask of any listeners or viewers who hear this, uh, we're really close to Twitch partnership and we're trying really hard to get there because it gets us a little bit better revenue split uh, so that your subs go farther to help the show. It also opens up a ton of more emotes um, and stuff like that. So uh, we're really close to partnership. We're just uh, a little bit under on concurrent viewers. We need 75 concurrent viewers. We are at like 60 right now. So we're so close. So if you are ever able to come watch the show live on Monday and Wednesday at noon Pacific at twitch.tv slash kick tripod, please come do. Otherwise, uh, just thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate the heck out of you. Speaking of appreciation, you know who I appreciate? Our patron producers. Hell yeah. Yeah. Big thanks to our patron producers. We added a new one this week. So it's <gasps> Battle Crab Pin, Lulchin, Charlie L, Audio Compass, Pork Chop, Sammy, Kasha67, Coochie Kopi, Salsa Boy91, Shara, Picasso, Neftali, and Your Misery. Thank you so much for your support of the show. If you like the show, go to patreon.com slash tactical crash. Great way to support. All right. Let's talk about the news. Uh, Joe Yiska, big breaking news yesterday. Uh, so much so that we're not going to wait until the uh, preview episode to talk about it. We need to talk about it today, and that's May Madness. May mm, yep. Madness is coming to the Overwatch League. Here's the rundown. I'll give you the rundown and the deets, and we'll discuss it. So during the first three weeks of May, all 20 teams will play in qualifier matches, three for NA and four in Asia, to determine seeding in two regional tournaments that uh, will end up happening on May 22nd through the 24th. There's $225,000 in prize pools each for each region. So uh, $450,000 in total. Uh, $40,000 goes to the tournament champions. $20,000 goes for second place. $5,000 for third and fourth. And on top of that, for every match win, uh, the team will also bank $5,000 bucks. Tournament rules are kind of uh, similar to the mid-season tournament that we were going to have. Uh, hero pools uh, have been suspended, so there's no hero pools during this time. It's a first to three with a grand finals will be first to four. And then so best of five, best of seven, I guess, is the same way of putting that. Uh, Higher-seeded teams will pick the first map. 
And that's that's kind of the highlights. We're going to talk more about the schedules, obviously, when we do the preview episodes. Um, but we do want to talk a little bit about the impact that this does have on the league. Uh, Joe, this is a pretty big, and we, we've discussed this, and you went on Twitter last night. Uh, this is a pretty big yes. deviation uh, for the Overwatch League, specifically when it comes to changing the format. The Overwatch League has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've added in hero pools. We've added in, um, last minute, we've added in uh, roll lock, mid-season, uh, changes like that, but we've never actually changed the format of the tournament itself as far as i can remember i'm trying to think if there's something really on in early season one that changed early i think early in season one they changed like the uh how the maps were going to be played out and what order they were going to play out just to avoid like like tied matches but other than that like nothing this drastic that was changed and i think i'd argue that in a way it definitely changed but the mid-season tournament was going to kind of fill this void to begin with and i think this this may madness tournament which i hope we kind of like dub this and hopefully blizzard kind of runs with because i'm kind of tired of writing overwatch league's may tournament it just feels very bland it feels very dry this is an exciting change let's give it a name let's run with it let's brand it and you know enjoy that this this is coming in and shaking things up in a positive way not in a random table flippy meta changey kind of bad way it's it's here to build narratives it's here to celebrate the players to give them a platform to kind of be put up on a pedestal but with stakes it's just stage playoffs but better what's what's not to love with that one of my biggest my biggest problems with stage playoffs and stage finals is that they really didn't mean much of anything it was just cool. It was a competition. They were there. They were fun. Great. We got to figure out who is the best in this little time frame, right? It was only ever three teams, right? So, in the stage playoffs? Yeah, in the stage playoffs. didn't They were always really small. In stage, really in fast. season one, they were smaller. Season but one, season and then two, they... They were much bigger. Um, but yeah, they didn't really mean anything. They didn't really have any stake to it. Now, first place gets three added wins to the regular season score. Second place gets wins added to their score. Third and fourth place wins get added to their, like, if you place third and fourth, you actually get some sort of, like, end of season benefit. This is, this is a huge deal for these teams and these players that actually want to participate. Instead of, like, well, you know, if we don't make stage playoffs, that's okay, because now we have a week to either take off or practice for the next meta. I, this, is, this could not be... This could not come from a, a or this could not come at a better time for me personally. Um, I, I think this is a great change, not the last change I want it, like not the end all be all. This is saved Overwatch kind of change, but I think this is a great piece of news. This is a great uh, a breath of fresh air for the league that is, you know, not doing so hot in terms of viewership, not doing so hot in terms of player health and player burnout. This is this is a good uh, step forward, let's say. What do you what do you think, Yiska? I mean, you're kind of the competitive integrity purist. I think not not that none of us, either Joe or I aren't, but uh, these things you're a stick I, in the mud. You know, the, you're a stick in the mud. Tell me why this is bad. You, uh, disproportionately compared to Joe and I. How do you feel about this change? I mean, okay, so from a technical point of view, of course, this has uh, competitive integrity implications. But let's be honest, in the grand scope of this season, like it, it's like a drop in the ocean 
of uh, competitive integrity inflictions, some some uh, self-made, but also the majority of it coming with the global pandemic issue. So um, in that regard, like, I don't think I have any issues with that. Uh, I feel like for most of, I think 2019, pretty much like through every podcast I took part of, I was promoting exactly this idea that we wanted to have stage playoffs and we wanted to make them more meaningful and that they should reward it towards uh, season playoffs and how the, those high points really help compensate for a uh, league format that I think is absolutely outdated and is also on its ass in traditional sports. Um, so I, I love it actually like is it like, of course it could be a better balance between the regions but that's all we can have and like i th i feel like this is the perfect example of just like live giving you lemons and making the best out of it because let's be honest this this format would be very very hard if we were traveling are you just going to have Oh, uh, yeah. two teams come like two regions you, yeah, come to need, the same location yeah. and just have, like, like compete there for stage playoffs that was yeah. probably one of the arguments towards uh, getting rid of stage playoffs so, um, that it wasn't feasible now that we don't have to travel that once again becomes uh, possible and I'm happy that they uh, that they consider it and I think this will be a season high point where the most viewership will come from Yep. We've seen it work in CDL. We certainly have the uh, empirical evidence of it working uh, in, in terms of stage playoffs of the last two seasons, who regularly had the highest uh, average viewership of, of the season points in, in the re uh, relative stages. So uh, overall, I'm a huge fan of this format. I also think that it's great that we f apparently found some way to make it so that coast-to-coast -coast can play with each other. Uh, allowing for bigger tournament brackets and allowing for more balanced and uh, grand scale hype to take place. Also, let's not forget, there's a theoretical chance for big underdogs in this to really shine and also not inhibited by hero pulls. Yep. That is actually one of the biggest aspects for me that they took the hero pulls out of that. Yep. That's an amazing part. Of course, it's kind of weird that we then have hero pools in ranked while yep. the players then again can't practice for no hero pools. Huh. Okay, well, we, we wanted the consistency of the system and wanted to keep the integrity of that for some reason. So we got to well, deal with that, I suppose. Yeah, I guess technically all the teams will be competing in like the qualifiers, right? So there's not like yes. an argument to say that, yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. not something yeah. I thought of. But to your point... There are there will probably be seasons saved or teams that squeak into playoffs based on this May tournament or even tournaments Maybe, yeah. because of their placement in this, but not necessarily their performance in hero pools. And I think that mm. it is weird. It is a little strange, um, but something mm. I'm not necessarily like bothered by because, again, playoffs won't have hero pools enabled either. So that increases the the chance that we'll actually have a good playoffs mm -hmm. because we're we're giving a chance for these teams that, hey, you might not be you might not have the manpower. You might not have the resources. You might mm -hmm. not be 
well equipped because of the coaching staff, you know, changes or whatever. This is your chance to kind of figure things out as best you can and perform well to kind of buffer that 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 hero pool weakness, let's say. I, I, I think it's good. I will say that the system's not perfect. Um, obviously, I would have to assume it's because of time constraints, but I would like to see a double elimination tournament instead of a single elimination, um, especially after the qualifiers. Three extra wins to your regular season score. That's a pretty big deal. I, I don't care even. I don't think the players really mind the money all that much. I, I think, you know, the the regular their, their contracts are probably equipping them well enough with, you know, enough with enough money to to get by. I don't think they really are, are swinging the fence based on the money at this point. It's really about trying to take home a championship and, and be applauded for something. And three added regular season wins is that's a big deal. So I I'd want some redundancy to the system to make sure that the best team does indeed, you know, take home the the title here and, mm. and take home those wins. Because again, and, and I recently wrote about this, like, let's say this was, you know, uh, the season season two finals and shock gets upset by Atlanta. Is that what we really want going forward? You know, I mean, like, yeah, I guess the Titans probably just take it home or maybe somebody kind of upsets the world and takes home something. But is that necessarily the best team? I don't know. I I don't think so, because we got the double elimination run from shock sweeping everybody, even in the grand finals. They take it home. They were easily the best team. Um, I'd like to see some redundancy there. But again, not looking a gift horse in the mouth. I think this is a great move. Great change. Beautiful. Love it. Give me more. So yeah. I, I do need, so there is one thing that's kind of interesting and that is how they've split up the, uh, the conferences or divisions, uh, 13 in North America are changing 200 or are sharing $225,000. Whereas only seven teams in Asia are sharing $225,000. Joe, is this because Asia teams are better? Yes or no. <laughs> um, we're going to have to talk about that in particular when it comes to the matches. Um, probably not. Um, but to your point, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to completely jump the gun, but the teams in general put into these divisions, there's a, uh, there's a smelly fish in this bunch that, uh, seemingly has a jumped ship. You know, the, uh, LFZ did it, uh, to China in, in contenders, China. And, uh, you know, the Vancouver Titans tuna has yeah. uh, hopped into the the I don't know the the sea Vancouver bass Titans button but bucket why why are you listed under North America they're coming back why are you listed in North America they're coming back sure they're, yeah they're coming back what's going on yeah. <laughs> You want to, you want to just, oh, you're just coming back now. Oh, but you were just, you, you were under no obligation to move your players to Korea, but apparently you moved your players to Korea, but now you're coming back though. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Whoever this some doesn't some smell don't this. Right with me. I mean, I, at this point, it's I don't know what like, it is. Couldn't tell you. I just smell it. I smell something. Yeah. What do you, there's nothing, nothing to infer from that? At I, all? It's so like, could they be playing from Korea to North America? Possibly. 
Um, mm, could they nah. be flying all the players back? I think that's dangerous, unlikely, but I've obviously Souls done it. Um, I don't know. I I could not speculate. I don't. I think it's probably yeah. dangerous to speculate at this point yeah. on exactly what's happening. I don't yeah. know. Flat yeah. out, it just smells very bizarre. If yeah. it maybe maybe it's completely kosher, and I'm I'm very off on this, but this is very yeah. weird. With all that's going on with the players, with all that's going on with you know the weird changes, they're going to Korea now. They're coming back now. They're playing in NA. I don't know. Smells fishy though. Smells very bizarre. Yeah, it's it's weird. I think I have a feeling that more information is going to be coming out in the the days and I weeks would hope to come. So. <laughs> I would hope. I would but, certainly hope so. Uh, so we're not going to speculate too much, but it is it is interesting. It is worth noting. Uh, I, I know we're going through this a little bit quick. This is our preview or our recap episode. We want to talk about last week's games, but this was too big a news to not at least mention on this show. And then on it's Wednesday, finally positive news. It's good it's news. Celebration. Good YouTube news. Chat. It's good it's news. Good things. It's a, uh, you know, Hey, good news. <laughs> when there's good news, we'll tell you about it. It's credit where credit's due. I think we're all on. Uh, I think we mostly agree with that. Again, won't speak for my co-host, but when there's good news, we'll tell you. This is all good. I love this. Give me more. I'd like another tournament before the season ends. That'd be swell. I like. I wish they would do it at the end of every month. Sure. I wish that they would. This would just be the the month thing. You switch up I mean, the hero every pools. Month seems tough. Make, but switch up the hero pools and the map pools every month. Do some seating. I like where your head's at. Do the thing. Yeah. Go. Yeah. You know, I think narrow the hero pools a little bit more so it's not, you don't have the risk of just having dead picks. Sure. Uh, you do that every month. A ton of fun. We're getting, I think yeah. you add double elimination to that. You've That'd got an extra great. weekend. No reason why you can't. Yep. Um, but this is something like, I don't want this. I, I don't, I love and I hate saying this, but this is something actually that I think We've discussed, we're at episode 96, you guys. And I, there have probably been a dozen times in those 96 episodes where we've advocated for anything other than 28 games straight of, uh, yeah. or 40 games straight in season one of just mm -hmm. straight up inconsequential Overwatch. Yeah. And, uh, man, like this, this is really refreshing. Uh, Joe, you said it to your yeah. point. It's, it's very similar to, uh, the mid season tournament that we were getting anyway, and in, in, in timing and in scope, but it's bigger in scope, actually, Mid season was only going to be four teams. That's true. This is mm -hmm. huge. Yeah, that is true. Actually well, was four. This was is, it, it was four for each, upgrade. right? No, I think it was just one tournament. It, Maybe Iska or maybe Chad can correct me, but I'm pretty sure it's just uh, the two leaders in the divisions, and then the next two highest teams were just going to play each other at like a homestand. And they did a play. That was for it the, for those two spots. I don't, I don't think. Know. I can't remember again. Regardless, it, as soon as everything started changing, it became more and more obvious yeah. that this wasn't happening, and you just kind of shove it out of your brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so uh, this is great. This is fun. We're gonna watch it. Let's just do it every month. Let's just do yes. It. Eight months yes. in a row. Have fun. It'll be great. The harbinger of good things for Overwatch. Now we just need to, you know, tweak the hero pools just a little bit. I'll meet you halfway, chat. I'll meet you halfway, YouTube chat, Twitch chat, whatever. Let's just let's just 
give the player something healthy to chew on. Let's not completely burn everybody out because, again, it's not going to stop. You just saw yeah. more and more people. I think Boston and Ilka just dropped. He's out. Sighted burnout. This is not healthy. Let's extend the hero pool turnaround. Add the tournaments. Everybody's excited. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's got time to practice what they want. You get better matches. It's not going to be 3-0 Overwatch. Yep. It's the, the, the thing is, like, I, I'm happy that people are slowly coming around to this idea. But Jesus Christ, it is so obvious. And it was so obvious five minutes after it was released. Again. I, and and the, the strain being too high was very obvious yes. to everyone who talked yes. to professionals last year. And if we had travel and hero pools, it is very obvious oh, that this would have resulted in the league. same amount. It's also, dude, like... It, it feels like every week I just keep hearing like, or we just keep seeing that less and less frequently, literally the best players of last year are not yeah. playing anymore. Yeah. Where's Huxal? Where's Sinatra? Where's Fury? Mm -hmm. And nobody warns that? Like, what kind of storylines are you interested in, dude? Like, it's not like that the wholesome people stick around for a full longest time, or that you have the investment in. They just, just as best run out as anyone else. So, yeah, I think it's, it's I think rough. it's obvious but at the same to, time. I again, I think this goes back to Overwatch being like a very new esport and kind of like cultivating a new esports audience because they don't have something to go off of. They just see traditional sports and they go, "Oh, well, the NFL players they they run into people and they they have physical injuries, so they just have to suck it up and deal with it." This isn't the same. There's no practice regulation. You, this is this is something that you you kind of either have to go out and look and find on your own or you have to trust us in saying this ain't healthy you can't do this this I, isn't the same i definitely think we've rung that bell yes a ton on the show so i'm gonna i'm not going to allow us to indulge any further <laughs> on that one yeah. let's talk about last week's matches let's just do it there's a there's uh we had um 10 matches this week, Joe. Yep. Eight of them were three O's this week. Yep. Uh, just happenstance. Do you think, uh, or is there a, what, what, what is going on that we have a league where we can have eight three O's? Yeah. Like, like imagine, imagine watching football and, uh, 80% 80 of the games, were you know 34 7 right uh so happens when you change the ball every match today i'm playing with a square ball tomorrow we got a circle ball next week a trapezoid did i've passed geometry class no it, it that's what's going to happen when you change the format week by week by week good teams are going to hopefully the the hope is that they just shine because they're good, right? What happens with that is that there's very little competition to put up against them. If you, if you have a clearly stratified team where this team is in this class and this team's in a lower class, they're really not going to have much of a match. The team with the coaching staff, the team with the resources, the team that's going to be uh, better at throwing the, the triangle ball through the triangle hoop, they're going to do very, very well. The team that can't, going to look pretty bad it's it's a it's a very clear um 
result, I would say, of hero pools. The the fact that in the past, I think there have been plenty of weeks where we we've been very excited to see these two teams duke it out. You know, who's the better team? It doesn't really happen that way, right? It's always usually the match that nobody's really expecting today or this week. It was, you know, the battle for Texas that was much closer than people expected. I don't think anybody on either side of the fence really thought that was going to go the distance to five. You know, Giska will uh, happily tell me that I'm wrong and stupid for saying that, but I don't think most people would, would say that. Um, and yeah, I don't, it's, it's usually never like the big marquee match that we're trying to sell. It's not the Seoul Shanghai. It's not the, you know, the Atlanta Philly games. It's always those weird games that, you know, are, are teams that are closer that actually have close matches. The good games that we would normally see in pre hero pool, you know, Overwatch League should be good. Unfortunately, now they're not so good. Um, I can't tell you why. I can point the finger and and really call, you know, hero pools to the stand for questioning. I don't know if it's directly tied to hero pools. It feels that way, but maybe that's my bias because I don't like hero pools, but that's the only thing that's changed, right? We would we would normally see these two teams, you know, duke it out. They should be two pillars of the 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 Overwatch League uh ecosystem and and they should have absolute heavyweight match slobber knocker matches right like this should this should have been a good game Seoul, Seoul Shanghai should have been fantastic 3-0 not even close very very little resistance put up by Seoul why is that I don't know I, I can only point to the thing that's changed and that's hero pulls for me uh, you're it's, muted. it's not you just yeah, yeah sorry um, it's not just that um, that it's this week or whatever but like I think I saw a statistic on Reddit and it's either almost 50% of the game set up blowouts or over. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, maybe you can uh, get Eric to double check this, but there's just so many blowouts. And that's true. Even the, the, the games that were maybe not supposed to be blowouts, like it definitely does happen that the teams, I think it's fair to say also that it happens less frequently now. Uh, but still, teams just get just pounced by, uh, by um, hero pools in terms of like having a comp that doesn't work into the other. There's definitely also teams like, so for instance, Shock saying, okay, a day before, oh yeah, we're playing Sigma Ryan when they didn't do that before. That works now against certain opponents of their level, right? Because nobody actually really realistically. <laughs> has the level of play to back it up and mechanics matter a lot but um yeah it's it's rough like it's to I, your I point mean, though I, to your point with with the frequency of three o's week 11 had nine matches five of those matches were three o's week 10 not as many three o's week nine not as many it's it seems to kind of sporadically pop up it could just be you know the styles clashing not work you know, it's it's not, you know, pairing up two teams of equal skill because of COVID and whatnot, but it's very difficult to predict exactly how close games will be. I think I would agree with that. It's it's very hard. It's it's very hard to look at two teams who you would imagine should be close, but because again, possibly of hero pools, possibly of you know practice situations because of COVID, maybe a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It's it's tough to see, you know 
how how close Chengdu Guangzhou charge should be of last week, right? I think everybody would probably have have put that a lot closer than a 3-0, and, and especially in the way that they did it, right? It's tough to really gauge how good these teams are at the moment. Um, is that a little bit bias of me, you know, trying to soften the blow of the impending doom of talking about the Pacific games? Maybe, maybe. Okay, so Eric just jumped into the chat and said 38 of the 80 games this year were three O's. Almost half. Almost half, yeah. Almost, Almost half. half. That's not good. Nobody wants <sighs> to see that. I don't want to see that. I, Dude, I like seeing it when it's a team I'm really passionate about winning, but that's a whole different argument or a conversation about uh, how passionate are we about even our own teams. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I don't know, like 30, like, but again, right. So we're, we're talking about and, and, and be clear, we're, we're, we're there's enough matches here where we're, we're kind of talking in like card game stats terms where like, a, you know, uh, these, these professional card game players, they, they play on tenths of percents of margins, right? Where, where, you know, if you're 55, 45, you're a really good card player. You're a really good Hearthstone player. If you're 55, 45, 60, 40. Uh, this is something where, uh, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing like, yeah, you, you have some decent amount of three O's almost 50%. When that number jumps 30% in one week, that's not like, ah, 80 is kind of close to 50. It's not. And that was the biggest point. And I will also say, and this is a little bit more on the feeling side rather than the, uh, like objective side. The three O is like, we, we've seen a close three O. Yeah, and we've seen a blowout three zero. This week felt like there were a lot more blowout three zeros than we're used to, and yep. we might as well just talk about that first one now, and that would be the Boston Uprising versus the Florida Mayhem. So oh, I know. So the Florida Mayhem versus Boston Uprising is set an Overwatch League record for the fastest match in the Overwatch League with twenty four minutes and nine seconds of in game time. The longest yeah. map, map, singular map, not match, map in Overwatch League was 34-17. Uh, mm. 10 minutes and some odd seconds longer than the entire playtime of this match. Yep. Yeah, that's nuts. I, I stand by what I said in shows previous with Boston. This isn't, nobody, no, this isn't good for anybody. This isn't good for Boston. No. It's not good for Mr. Kraft. It's not good for the Overwatch League. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Something's got to change. Yeah. I don't know if it needs, I don't know if it requires league intervention. I don't know if it requires the team to, you know, wake up. I don't know how you poke the bear in that circumstance without, you know, doing a little bit of snooping. But I mean, they're making moves, right? Like, it's it, like sometimes just when it rains, it pours. It's like it's this rough. team is, and I and, and, and of again, course everyone's burning out on it. Of course, one hundred percent. And again, that goes back to hero pools. But this isn't like oh, I'm picking on Boston. No, Shanghai, same way. Can't have that. Can't have an zero and forty season. Just can't happen. No, you gotta be, you have to field some sort of competitive roster, and if you can't, we got problems. Now, to be fair. There's, there's some of this that is very much in Boston's control. There is also a lot of this, though, that just like, 
what are the chances that you got you're quarantined you've got a player that you're losing signing a new player during quarantine right now is the fact that they were even able to sign a halo is you know kind of uh, amazing so I, I, I think we can meme across this match a little bit and, and, and kind of make fun and poke fun and, and have jokes about it. Boston, yeah. though, even prior to all this, has not been good. And nope. despite what we thought, they're, they're falling even further to some fault of their own and then to just really awful circumstances on top of that. Now, on the flip side of this, I'm not necessarily ready to buy into the whole, you know, increase in Florida stocks. Yes, they beat up on the Paris Eternal, 100%. Like, that is that is a great and fantastic win for them. But to say that this is, like, your selling point for, you know, Florida stocks being up, like, what? Like, are you excited mm. when you just take candy from a baby? Is that really what you're interested in? Mm. Is that really why you'd say Florida stocks were up, not beating the Paris Dude. Eternal? Yes, because their stocks were so low that a, like a stomp victory against the Paris Eternal should up their stocks. 100%. We thought of them as a bottom five team. They're not bottom five anymore. And I think depending on what I, kind I of meta they play. More personally, but yeah, I, I would say that there's a great argument to have that. But it's certainly not evidenced by the win over Boston. No, no, no. Well, no, 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 no. That's no. my point. That's my point. It's not it's not the Boston win that should be getting you excited. It's the Paris win. Why are we excited about beating up on Boston? Everybody should beat up on Boston. They suck. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just thought it was funny. Oh, I mean, it is. I mean, look, 24 minutes and nine seconds. The longest match in league history. Like you said, 34 minutes and 17 seconds. He is the Maybe thing. I said 30 both times. I don't know. It was actually 24. Yeah, Nine. 24, okay, you got 24 we got match, that. 34 map, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's Here's ridiculous. Thing. I, it, it feels like it's no longer funny to me because, I, okay, Shanghai was super funny in season one because they had that just got all the th- theoretical uh, options to succeed. Yeah. They had a full roster. They could have done something, but for some corrupt reason, they couldn't. Right. And then they tried to do something and it still failed. They're, like, I don't think anyone on, um, on Boston is a bad actor to no. the point where I, I have schadenfreude no, no, no. towards yeah, them uh, not succeeding. It's also the case that, I mean, in, in essence, like, yes, they also had their undead accident and it's not that much different from, from what they had Sure. Uh, now, but it's like this. Like Boston is a is also a rookie team in some instances. If you enter the Overwatch League that way, it's it's rough. Like I'm trying mm. to pinpoint why why I didn't have that feeling of like okay, it's enough, guys. Like we get it. They're bad. Uh, yeah. When Shanghai was in there, for sure. But like for for Boston, it feels like okay, we're 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 at a point where it's like yeah. we're in a global p- pandemic. They cannot make moves. I, I think that is maybe the thing that there's just way less agency to th- uh, switch th- stuff around now. One hundred percent is it was, and it's but just h- like yeah, hypothetically you're stuck there. Hypothetically, play with me for a second. Like, follow me. Do you really think Boston would be spending buku bucks to really improve this roster, even if there wasn't a go- global pandemic going on? 
I'm not sure about Boku Bucks, but I think at this point in the season, yeah, they, I think they they would probably be willing to spend a little people, bit more. Right? They they definitely sign more people, especially with you know what 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 happened and whatnot. But I don't think they'd be really jumping up the rankings. I don't the think they'd is, be battling close with anybody. There's there's no way where you can out um head coach at this point or you can out an entire system no, in like this is, getting this is rid of a yes. everyone's stuck with everyone else yeah and that it's just a situation that is not going to change anytime soon because the season is not even halfway point Theor yeah. theoretically if we assume 28 games mm -hmm. so like at some point like my compassion just spikes and i, I just think okay like this is just rough what can what can they realistically do? Like they there's had good, hundred uh, percent. Really not. So, like when you can't change anything about being uh, beaten up repeatedly, it has just a bad feeling. While for Shanghai, there were definitely things of, of recourse. Get that charlatan uh, of a head coach out uh, out of there. Totally. Like get rid of the players that everyone knew would, were going to suck and mm -hmm. just fill up and. Now they are the best team in the Overwatch League. We, we will talk about it. Yep. But that that's a story we want to see, right? Like Shanghai's no, doing it. Yeah, there's Shanghai there's no it, yeah. but there's no access to these kinds of stories for Boston in the current situation. There's, there's it, very you give them infinite money and like there's very few moves they could make to to significantly mm. improve. In I, the current I definitely think you could. I mean, it's probably dangerous to travel, right? You can still travel. We've seen that with Seoul. We've seen that with the Vancouver Titans. Like we've seen people travel around the country. Mm. So it, it, it's not like they couldn't sign any talent or, or at least Western talent um, that doesn't require a visa or already has a visa. So I guess it would have to just be in North America. That, that is something they could do. They just aren't. And that's, that's, what's, that's what's kind of um, strange. And, and 100%, like I have to agree with you that there isn't much they can do. But this this has been kind of writing on the walls for at least a, a season and a half. Like at the start of season two, they didn't look completely abysmal, but by the end of it, wasn't great. wasn't great. I, I would just personally either have, I'd love to have a heart to heart with anyone in upper management, be that Huck or yep. Mineral, and be that on air or off air and just like understand what the problem is. And I think I'm very convinced that I'm 90% sure I would just go, okay, that sucks for you guys. Like, it's it, like, of course, you're not, um, you're not without blame, but it's probably going to be something where it's like, unlucky, dude. Like, that's just how it goes sometimes. It's, it's really, it's really easy from the outside to criticize and it's really easy to minimize or maximize hurdles, uh, when you aren't actually navigating them. Um, you know, and, and again, yeah, you, you've said it. There's definitely blame to be put on the, the players, the coaching staff, the ownership at probably all levels. There's, there's blame to be shared, but there's also just circumstances. Sometimes we, we learned a lot with a, yeah, from the Florida mayhem about why yeah. the end of season two was so abysmal. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden you go from like, are these really bad coaches and bad players? Or is this, you know, something beyond, you know, we were all attributing like the coaches suck, the, the players suck and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out there was something entirely different going on. Uh, okay. The uprising, I would say, are one of the more secretive organizations uh, just in general, as far as putting that stuff out there. 
you want to you want to hear the hot take where i'm not sure i i stand on solid ground with that argument mm. but there is an argument there's a world okay where huck is the only one that responsibly builds teams in overwatch league and the finances that the other teams ran were never sustainable under the our uh income and by everyone racing for ridiculous salaries and yeah. like all these kinds of large rosters and whatnot while he was saving a a quick buck um now his team probably isn't in the financial hardship that that every other team is in dude everything uh, is collapsing and it I isn't forget. just covid we brought that it up isn't just covid yeah. like transfer fees are down buyouts sure. are yes. nuts down right, right. erase a zero at, at like i'm talking magnitudes lower yeah yeah so that is not just covid that's no. an illusion a bubble that bursted that's that's esports in general though that's not just the overwatch league uh, so the whole ecosystem has been a rat race so look at, if look, at, look at what cs players man. are being playing being paid for a second Look at what LCS players are being paid. 2.3 million for Huni. Again, names that won't necessarily mean much to anybody, but a lot of money being thrown around. I think this is more of an esports problem than an Overwatch League specific problem. So, I mean, very, very true. Um, Doesn't I'm, help I'm also not sure if I necessarily believe down, that argument yet, right? I don't, I don't think but I do either, but... There are indications where it's like, is it feasible for... Half of the fuel talent, for instance, to make the money that they're doing. And sure. does that do something to the market price? Right. And are there other players that are equally uh, like earning and probably about as good as those guys? Because I don't want to specifically call them out. And mm -hmm. does that inflate market prices to the point of infeasibility? And someone who understands the numbers that we're seeing and wants to grow organically is left behind because he's trying to do it right by the numbers and isn't overly investing uh, in, in a system. I'm, I'm not sure if that's true. Like, of course, I have no idea about the numbers and whatnot. And maybe, but if you're in that mindset of trying to be economical about it, I can see how the current situation, like you feel some way about just everything collapsing. And you also know that COVID isn't the only reason for mm -hmm. it to be that way and and we need to take a second and and make sure that we differentiate the success of the team on the field is very different than the success of the team off the field yes. 100%. and yes. i think at the core of that that's what yisk is talking about is this is a team that really sucks right now when they're playing both but, both places though like do you think that boston's doing great merch sales we don't know I don't, I don't I'm gonna guess not, not. but I'm mean, gonna guess probably not. not in merch sales, but I don't know what they're just in uh, general outside of the game, probably not doing as hot as many other teams that aren't doing as hot. I, I, I think the sponsorship numbers is what I would need to see. I think for season four, they could be in trouble if they're a bad team trying to seek new sponsorships, but Boston's got some decent people backing the squad at at all sorts of different levels where i would i would be surprised if boston wasn't in the top four or five teams like if you just look at um the percent uh, what would be the the right proper way to uh to to measure against size uh probably some sort of percentage 
So you're looking at like revenue, like in terms of scale, like sure, I guess like if you just have little money out and you make more money then yeah, you're going to, your numbers are going to look good, but I don't think they're like doing good in terms of branding. I don't think they're doing good in terms of content. I I don't think that they're probably, yeah. It's just the competition off the field. And again, I think most teams are trying, but sure. And that's something I think that's, we probably shouldn't even be talking about this right now. Uh, no. Let's 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 go. Also, let's just yeah. Okay. Let last me, thing. Let me last add thing. one caveat because I can already see how that's being uh, misinterpreted. I'm not saying that the players shouldn't be making that money. By the way, because oh. the market says like so. being in the being in the Overwatch League and like using up you, the best years, the most most productive years, the most uh, like direction setting years of your life to go home with like 50k minimum salary is a rough decision when you have no transferable skills after and very few will actually land esports jobs so i'm not saying from a fairness point of view these players should be making this i'm saying the numbers of the league that they were always producing and that that was suggested for instance in the first um morgan stanley report Mm -hmm. were never realistic to me, anyway, and also what what was communicated to me after season one in terms of like what kind of uh, sponsorship stuff came in. Okay. Oh, so. All right. Yeah. Let's leave it. Let's go on to the next one. I really uh, want to talk about Atlanta versus Philly uh, because that was it was. Uh, we, let's be real. We all expect that to be a lot closer. That was the clash of NA, right? That's yep. that's supposed to be the best that we had. Uh, well, I guess I guess shock or some right? of the best. Some of the yeah, best I guess shock. But you know, those those are our top three teams in NA. You get Fusion versus Atlanta. You're hoping for some sort of sweet, sweet uh, competition, I guess, and you don't get that uh, in this one. Unfortunate three to zero in favor of the Philadelphia Fusion, who now improved to. I forget at the time of the game they were eight and one, so they're nine and one, and the rain were four and two, so they're four and three. So, uh, Yiska, I mean, did you get to watch this game firsthand? Yes. Uh, um, so, what what were your big takeaways on this one? It's like uh, it kind of went in the way where I expected it. it. I don't know why. Okay, I think the vanilla meta of, uh, you know, like May McCree and then Sigma um, Ryan is a matter that doesn't favor the rain in terms of the um, individual like uh, strength towards like yes, May is important, but it's not like like mega mechanical gods like uh, Urster. They mm-hmm. can make a difference and Ursa regularly makes a difference. I'm not sure if the difference is the same as if he was on something else uh, that he's known for. So that extends to pretty much a lot of the heroes that we're that we're seeing from uh, sure. uh, for for Atlanta. So it already seemed to me that they would be trying something of uh, something unorthodox and bringing mm. the ash in for instance i didn't know that it was going to be that but that was very characteristic for me because i thought if they trying to mirror the fusion they st- yes atlanta rain has very good individual places they don't have that 
type uh, type of thing going for them. And the Philly Fusion were also nuts on on a very similar meta in the start of the season, which gave them their initial record. So I thought it made a lot of sense for Atlanta to not play fair in that regard sure. and play ball. Um, play ball in the in the sense, you know, like just like handshaking on the meta and yes. no, 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 literally wrecking not ball. Actually wrecking ball. Yeah. Um, so uh, with that said, it's an unfortunate position that this also made the game not that competitive after all. And yes, it, it's like 3-0. The, the story of that entire game isn't told by 3-0 because it wasn't a Florida-Boston 3-0, but it's still a 3-0, dude. And at no point did I feel like saying, oh, we have a series on our hands. We really didn't. No. We really didn't. So it's rough. Um, and maybe this match would have been better had it caught a more restricted meta, possibly. Sure. Joe, how do you feel, man? I mean, we, we've said this before. The Fusion are probably one of the most versatile teams uh, in the Overwatch League, and they were set up for We said this long before yeah. the season even started. Uh, they're definitely showing it here, but I think that we also said similar things about the Atlanta Reign, uh, that they should be set up for relative success and that they should um, be uh, quite versatile. They're coming in now 4-3. and three. If I if I have the standings correct, which I believe we do, yeah, they're four and three at this point. Um, mm. what, like, what do you think? Uh, what do you think's going wrong in Atlanta here? Maybe this is a hot take. I don't think much is going wrong. Yeah. I think this is just Philly being very good. I yeah. think Atlanta is going to be the consummate professionals that they are. Be a playoff team. They're going to be a good team. They're probably not going to win much anything, but they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. Philly, though, with the money that you spend on that kind of roster and, and the players that you procure, you should be 3 0ing people like Atlanta. You should be dominating the league. Mm. This maybe not should be expected mm. right now, especially with hero pools and the chaos that that brings. But I don't know that much is going wrong, per se, with Atlanta so much as it's Philly being that good. I think, you know, again, We'll look at this on Wednesday, but Atlanta going into next week and next month, I think there are plenty of matches that, you know, it's very Atlanta favored. You should be winning this. You should be winning that. And then they're going to hit a wall, possibly against a team like Philly, possibly against a team like the shock a little bit more fallible to be fair, but Atlanta is a good team. I just don't know if I'm going to put them with the best teams. And that's something too worth noting. They've got three losses. Two of them come against fusion one in a game five. And the other one was against a hot and uh, not quite figured out uh, Paris Eternal with Mm Exe. So, you know, it's not like they're dropping. They haven't dropped any other maps. Yeah, no Um, upsets. They they literally they literally have not dropped a map in any of their wins. That was Toronto, Uprising, Mayhem, Justice. To be fair, so it's not like all of these games they should win. They, and they do very well. They yeah. went, they've definitely won the team or won the games they should have won. They are losing the matches. I would argue that they should or lose. Competitive, but I would but say I would lose. say yeah. should have been more competitive. Uh, the Paris one. Week, I yeah, think we can so. put an asterisk next to that for many reasons. 
mm-hmm. but this 3-0, I think to me was the most surprising in in all of Atlanta's sure. uh, finishes at this. For point. the record, so far, hundred percent. I mean, looking back at Week Ten, they go, you know, like you said, five games with Philly. That's commendable. If Philly's going to be this titan of the league, and you take them to Game Five, that's a, that's that's a victory, right? That's that's good. It's it's also Philly isn't just mechanics, dude. They played some smart stuff, like the way how they adapted to specific. Like I recall, like on I think it was Hanamura, right? Like where they switched Baptiste and wanted to fight like point point B. They wanted okay. to fight into co- upper corner, like up the stairs, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. like fight fight that show, little doorway, mm-hmm. and just like abuse lantern. What does Philly do? Just brings the fight before uh, in before they get to them from <laughs> ridiculous engagement angles, and just like catches them out that way because they they smelled that being a, a potential win condition for them. And uh, Atlanta was taken completely taken uh, off guard by that. So, um, like. Fusion, I mean, I, I said that the Shanghai Dragons are the best team in the Overwatch League. I'm not mad at anyone claiming that it's Philly instead. Um, I think you got a 1A, one, one 1B one kind of scenario. You got to see them. Yeah, and so you can yeah, see you them go see directly them to head. Like there's, they're so dominant over the teams in their region, especially post-Hero Bulls, that there's just... Uh, I think at that point you're arguing semantics and you're arguing yeah. like you're 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 getting coach's eye a little bit, right? Scout's mm-hmm. eye on oh yeah, this this player versus this player, and you're kind of getting really metagamey really fast. Here's um, here's one thing that we need to say about the series and about a player's career that I think like I'd feel bad if we didn't point this out. Talk about a baby late bloomer. Like, Baby Bay has never played better Overwatch than right now. He is legitimately the, like, he's legitimately better or playing, like, mechanically up to the level of um, Sharp and Edison that we would expect from them. Yeah. And he is very likely rightfully, or, I mean, I'm not going to make that judgment call, but from the outside, he's very clearly absolutely justified to be the starter for them right now. And I, I, we can expect him to also bring intangibles. We know what kind of a character Baby Bay is like in and outside the game. So, like, what a what a story for someone so seemingly late into their career because Baby Bay also a player that has been around for a long time to now come into his own. And while he was almost like a little bit of a meme character of Azaria, still sort of effective and sort of like a um, a maverick in that regard. Sure. He's still like good way to put it. Now he's he's he isn't just gimmicky doing stuff. He's actually pre- playing proper Overwatch and he's doing it very well. Like yes. awesome progression. Very few narratives ever developed in this way uh, of player careers. I think I said I good so. things about Baby Bay in the preseasons season rankings. If you want to go back and uh, listen to my incoherent rantings on, I think I think we got into a little bit of an argument about it. Um, mm. I was like, yeah, I think Baby Bay is gonna be fine, but I don't. I think we all said that we didn't think that he would be the starter by any means. No. Mm. But I think yeah, it yeah. was just like, how good is he as a as a backup hit scan, you know, kind of wild yeah. card DPS. Um, so yeah. yeah, good good for him, and I think a great eye from the the coaches and scouts for Atlanta. Um, bring yeah. him in, he's sticking them around, well, yeah. and he's yep. Yep. keeping him in and. Hey, now we know him and Sefi have a have a long, a long history together at this point. 
since the building yeah. of shock at season one, at least. So, um, yeah. Anyways. All right. Let's go to the Atlantic or uh, sorry, the Pacific division though. <sighs> and Joe. Yeah. Chengdu. Yiska. Yeah. Yiska. I'm going to let you take this one. Grill him. Break him over the grills. So for those that don't, didn't follow the last episode, right? Uh, Joe, <laughs> of course, predicted the Chengdu Hunters to code 2 0. The, no, the, I said 1 1. 1 1. Sorry, 1 1. Yes. But they would be winning against the NYXL. Yes. Now, of course, the magical kebab told me that that was going to be absolutely ridiculous. So we made a bet. And uh, basically, one of us had to um, change their Discord profile picture for a week. Now, what you might be seeing on your screen right now, which is kind of two-facing, Joe, is Chengdu Bob. Wax on. Wax on. Right? So, but I want to stand in solidarity with Joe. And oh my god, what a gamer! Let me see this. Oh, wait, I think I gotta for audio listeners. He has a wig and a backwards baseball cap. He looks like he should be working on a tiger ranch somewhere. <laughs> well, aren't we all Chengdu Bob today, Joe? Don't we just love Chinese Overwatch? We Don't love we... it so. Let me let me get into the mindset that mm. I listened to over mm. the weekend of Chengdu mm. Bob of okay. how Chengdu was a top five bordering top five team or like at least upper half team where they were the second best Asian team for some miraculous reason. <laughs> I feel like that's a bit of a colorful way to phrase what I said, but I mean, I'm, I'm I, with it. like, like this, this is the Chengdu Bob head. Like, it's, right. it's like All the right. awkward head. Like, that's it's just speaking the truth. Mm. So, this man went from Chengdu is going to clap NYXL to watching Chengdu play against the NYXL, then argue, oh my god, this team is so terrible while we were watching it. <laughs> And then convincing his like villain in uh, like his villain friend Kenobi of also thinking that Chengdu is garbage now. This is what Chinese Overwatch is like, guys. <laughs> like your brain on Chinese Overwatch is not working out that well, dude. Like, and I I just wanted to sort of like get into that zone and just say, <laughs> of course Chengdu hunters are going to win their next three matches, even if it's. I think they're playing Dan YXL again. Thank you. I, I you know, round of applause for yeah, that's you know, true. you like the look. You got it. Joe Dirt, equipped with the flannel as well. I think that's very uh, apt. Nice. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think the Chunky Hunters would be beating Dan YXL. Um, to my defense, um. And I'll start the defense with saying, yes, I was very wrong. Very, very incredibly <laughs> yes. wrong. Thank you. I was wrong about Paris Eternal. I'll take yeah. that out. Yeah. I was wrong about this team. Yeah. I will take that out. Right. Okay. Okay. That said, I still oh probably. Oh my God. I would still is, argue guys. the same way going into this match. Right. I would, I would still like, I'm not going to go back. Oh, I wish I could change it because of crazy reason. 
I, I stand by what I said. Chengdu, for whatever reason, has decided to Becomes. try and become this meta staple. They want to become the guy who perfects the best deck in the game. They're like, you know what? We've been playing this aggro red deck win stuff. Nah, I want to play control decks. That's what I want to play. I've never played a control deck in my life, but I'm going to be a control deck player now. Let's go do that. Guess what happens? You're going to take that control deck and you're going to go into this tournament. You're going to lose. You're going to lose hard against teams that, again, lose so maybe, hard. maybe we have a bad read on. Bad read. Bad read. Again, in a region, I think we have a bad read on. Bad read on. Also, not good team. Not a good team. Bad team. Very bad team. Very bad team. Good players. Some good players. Jinmu's not bad, right? We like we like Jinmu. We like Jinmu. We like Jinmu. Team, yeah. bad team. Bad. Bad team. Not good. <sighs> okay. I okay, now what does Yiska have to say about this? Uh, that was that was my thinking cap that I had to take off. Oh my, my god. Most... I don't even know what just happened. I'm gonna be honest. <sighs> we just had a, a surprise special guest. Welcome back, Yiska. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I zoned in again and I'll tell you. Whatever the Chengdu coaching staff is smoking to play, not to play Molly, to not play, to play Aiding instead and try to play it standard, to on map three, on, uh, was it Dorado? Yeah, it was to Dorado. To switch their main support with their flex support for no like, apparent what? reason. If you tell, suddenly playing Anna, well, Lengsa is playing Lucio. That is some five head stuff. Like, like this team unreal. just either completely mental boomed, which I'm not even saying, right? Like, that's a card on the table that I'm not willing to play. No, no, no. This was a bad team this week. Not a good team in two matches, especially in a match that they probably should have ran close. The Spark have not looked all that strong, like, even within their own region. And to get kind of just like, like this is rough nyxl okay i can chalk that up to my own like i test not working perceiving that pacific was a little bit stronger than atlantic which we don't i don't even know if that's true anymore no what what i told you happened they are now playing a roster because it's much harder than what they used to face libero is in and they're clapping cheeks i don't know I find that very hard to believe. I and, and yes, I agree with you know what we said about who are you and trying to integrate him within the roster and hero pools and I, I get that much. But even past that point, when they weren't playing who are you and they added Libero in, they didn't they Joe, still weren't looking that great. This I mean uh, yes, but they're still trying out stuff. They're trying to they NYXL Speed ran Overwatch League. They finished all the regular season achievements there. They don't need <laughs> to win an Overwatch, uh, Overwatch League regular season again. What they okay. need to win in order to catch all the Pokemon is win an Overwatch League. Yep. Totally. So, in order to do that, all you need to do is uh, try to get a, a, qualifications, a direct qualification uh, place so you sure. don't have to play through the play-ins. 100%. And I, I agree with the you. The Atlantic Division, that is free, my dude. So what do you do? You plan long term. You try to build up players that in uh -huh. playoff situations 
will help you in some regards and are integrated into the system. So, mm-hmm. of course, you play someone like who are you? Of sure. course, like you, you might have, if you play or if you pick someone like who are you up, you better have a plan how to so- psychologically deal with whatever he comes with. I agree. I agree. And you may, you do that by making him part of the entire team. So that's exact, exactly, you make him feel valued in that regard mm-hmm. and you check his ego and just give him enough, but not too much and make him part of the big machinery that is NYXL. So at the end of the playoff, when, when it's all coming down, sure. you sit there and say, I have a world-class Genji. I have a very good Farah. I have... Um, also with a heavy carry potential factor that Mm -hmm. arguably Libero doesn't have to that degree. So you want that wild card to be introduced to the team. Also Doomfist. So I don't know. I feel, I I felt like uh, that was definitely second gear, maybe not like sixth gear uh, NYXL, but they know that they now can't mess around. And that's the immediate turnaround result because of that. My problem with that narrative, and it's something that, again, this team has drawn up. And I don't know that it's within the team that they're doing this. This is something that the community is perceiving from their actions, because we don't know why. We're trying to come to a conclusion on why they're doing these bizarre things, especially with Who Are You, which, again, a lot of what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But did it make sense last season or the season before that? Because, again... Remember having a lot of the same discussions about this team two seasons ago. So when is it that they're they've, they're done playing the macro game and they actually win something? Well, they're not anymore, right? Like they're when they, when when is the buck stop? When are they stopped playing around and we we're, we're putting down the sandbags and we actually play the game? Is it I now? Mean, no. Yeah. Or was it last season? Or is it the season before that? I mean, they did considerably better. They're the third best team in, in last year, right? Sure. Both by regular uh, they, season and they, They've always done well. But why is it every season it's the sandbag? It's the, oh, it's the long game. They're going to do better this year. Don't worry, guys. It's now. Oh, it's now. Now they're going to turn it around. Because their approach is visibly different, right? Like they're not playing their macro style. They've traded away key players like Mecco. And sure. have introduced key personality like Nene, even though he's now not part of that. Um, for for I think dental health, someone said in chat. I, I didn't even cross check that. Um, but they have a new, complete new head coach uh, in, in place 100%. with a new coaching team that imprints a new structure onto that. And it's again, I, like, I would agree with that. Like there's this. I feel like there's a visible change in the type of Overwatch that, that this team is playing and the approach they're taking. And if you are in the fortunate position where it really you don't need top-tier performances all the time, but can slack, can build up players, you take that position. You play the hand you're given. They are holding aces and they're just like, let's make some money here. Again. I, I, I agree everything with what you're saying up until the point where somehow this season's going to be different and we can measure when and where they're they're flipping the switch and turning it on. Okay. I'm okay. Go here's, ahead. Here's here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Explain to me what you would do to make sure or increase the percentage chance of them winning the Overwatch League. What what would your Again, strategy? I agree with that. 
I agree with a lot of what you're saying. 100%. What you're saying makes sense. But is that actually what they're doing? Because we always assume that's what they're doing, right? We assumed it in season one. We assumed it in season two. Now we're assuming it in season three. You weren't wrong, though. That's what they were doing, right? Like, they were sandbagging. I don't know. I think that it's... I, I don't know exactly what's different. I think that is an argument to be to be had, and, and we've kind of talked through it a little bit. I think there's another argument to say that maybe Pack isn't as good as what we assumed they were. Maybe NYXL is actually a good team. <sighs> I'm not sure about that. I don't know, I'm right? Sure. We, I don't this, know. this is something we'd have to sit and, and mull over and discuss. Mm. I, I'm I'm not really on either side of the fence, other than I was wrong. And I will I will gladly take that L. I'm happy to to be Joe Dirt. I'm happy to be Chengdu Bob. We will not have any more Chengdu Bobberies in in this uh, in this sacred household anymore, though, because <laughs> the team has has sold their soul. They don't have an identity anymore. They're just some sort of weird team that wants to play the meta deck, and it's bad. It ain't good. And now I mean, they did it once. Now let's they, see. Sure, they've I done think- it once, but even looking at some of their old other games, like they have splashes of that identity where they come out and do some gimmicky stuff. But a lot of it, some. There's a good amount of like standard good like compositions that generally are the meta, but uh, guys, it's not something I really want to see. I want to see them maintain their style. I don't like I, I feel really awkward dogging on NYXL at all, honestly, because mm-hmm. like I, I, I it's, it's just really hard. Like if you ask anybody within or among Overwatch, like over the first three seasons, who's the best franchise? I think NYX, if NYXL isn't number one, they're number two. There's no, there's no way they're any lower than that. And every year you have to set yourself up for success. And I think that they've done that every year. They really have. And I, I, I honestly, I can't tell you why they suck in playoffs magically for some reason. And I can't tell you what systematic approach gives them a better chance to not suck in playoffs. That's not an answer I can give you, mm. but I just, I, I disagree with the fact that like, this is a team that shouldn't change what they're doing. Sometimes you make the right decisions and you just still end up losing when it matters the most. It sucks. Wait, there's, there's definitely some error in, in that theory where it's like, so one thing for me is I don't think there's a world where you play, where you consciously play who are you above liberal on may so if something in the in that part of the season like made liberal not be able to play better or at all or like function in that sense okay that's that's already taken a lot of my arguments uh like base away right Mm -hmm. but it's also uh like just different starters being like mainly also hotbar where like a a lot of like when you talk to season one coaches a lot of people said okay we're playing around jonak when some like some coaches i talked to always said that it was meko that was dictating pace and um or like that was the focal point who's um who was the anchor so to speak now Mm -hmm. that is probably more talking about the perception of overwatch that these people have because some some people are very tank line centric some of them are uh very um 
Plex su uh, support centric in, in their understanding of it. And um, I mean, the carry of Jonek, of course, was uh, like the, the marquee thing. But I'm not sure if that works in the same way if with another off tank in that position. So I feel like that like Meko being out there is uh, a big change that changed the character. SBB taking a step or like a secondary position was already the case in season two. Um, like certainly, uh, I think Animo stepped up as as like a person within that team. I think like the, at some point you gotta ask what, when is when is that a consistent identity of a team. And also, at what point do you take risks to win the Overwatch League over just like doing well and going deep? Like, the question is if I give you 60% of making top four, but only 10% of winning it, or I give you 20% of winning it, sure, and only 30% of making top four, what kind of a deal would you take? I'm going to take again, I, I agree with you. I'm going to take the, the better deal to give me consistent top tier placings. And and if that's what this system provides and that's what, you know, all of these coaches that they've brought in are are aiming to do is consistent high tier performance. And that's their goal. Great. But if your goal is to win and you're repeating the same strategy that season one had season two had and season three. I don't know if that's necessarily going to win you anything. If that's their goal, I, I, I again, I repeat my argument, but if it's not and it's just to place well and be a good team, I, then great, you're, you're on track. Maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I won't speak for everybody. Maybe I'm wrong in saying this is not the NYXL of, of last year. I, I still kind of stand by that because I mean, of the sample size we have, but... I, I, the question also is, can you in the current system be the same team that you were before? Which sure, of, of course. course is always the elephant in the room with the yeah. uh, Hero system. So, like, is is that a feasible approach to take? Mm -hmm. um, but it feels like before they already even knew that this was coming, they already put that in motion. If that premise was to be correct, I feel like it was. And again, I don't know that I am buying into this, but I think there's an argument to say that maybe it was on reaction to Hero Pools saying like, oh well, we're not really stylized to fit this, so why don't we just try a couple of these weird things, try to play for the long game? Sure, I mean, that can work. And again, playoffs are completely off Hero Pool, so maybe we see a brand new NYXL. Maybe they, maybe this is in the, the ether. They have this in their master plan. But every season, it feels like we talk about the sandbag. Every season, we talk about you know the master plan of the long game of the NYXL, and if third, fourth, fifth place is your goal, and and again, very commendable, strong, strong I, goals. I'm not sure like we should think of this sandbag strategy as sophisticated as it is. If you're burned out at some point, you just pull the parachute, right? Totally. And again, I think that again, it, there's an NBA term that escapes me, but like load managing, I think it's called. Like again, something that we were, I, I at least I was talking about going into this season in particular with the travel. I think it's probably well equipped to deal with hero pools as well because of the. The nonsense that it brings but i don't know nyxl seems like it it just always has the same narrative and it's just like 
is this a projection or is this actually what's happening? Because pieces change and somehow it's always remaining the same. So I don't know if it's us. I don't know if it's actually them. It, it feels like it could be criticized. Yeah. We, I love talking about NYXL as much as the next guy. I really do. But I do want to discuss one of the, I, I think, uh, one of the bigger matches this uh, this uh, week, and that was um, the Seoul Dynasty versus the Shanghai Dragons. And um, did not, it, it, it pulled a, a Philly Atlanta on us, I think, a little bit. We were expecting something close. And um, Seoul, though, did not show up in this one. Shanghai wins 3-0, to zero, Yiska. Um, I, I can't remember how we all sided. I think we all sided on Shanghai here. Right? Yeah, it took, some, it took some convincing. I think we, we kind of had a big powwow about it, but I, I wanted to say Seoul. My heart said Seoul, but I, I ultimately said Shanghai as well. I think that... There's a lot going into this. There's there's just more evidence to support that Shanghai was going to win. I thought it was going to be much closer, though. I'll tell you that. I thought this was supposed to be a good game. Yeah. yeah. Not a good game. Bad game. Not good. Talk about a team it's, that was prepared, though. Yeah. I mean, it Shanghai started pretty great. well. And I had, like, I remember feeling pretty good about it on map one at some parts. Like, Fitz was doing well. Lip was a, doing Fitz well. Right. I was like... Lip like these these guys with pretty similar narratives coming into the season, just like you know, you hear from scrims, all oh, these guys are nuts, they do absurd yeah. shit like all the time. It's it's insane. People are really underwriting these players. And I mean, we saw like for Fitz, we saw some glimpses of that. But for Lip, I feel like he arrived uh in in that prophesized um level that he that that we heard about from from these coaches and it's mm -hmm. like the the coaches that were scrimming in um in korea in the preseason everyone has a uh, has a lip story where it's just like this kid either mm -hmm. thinks about the game in the nuts way has nuts mechanics is so versatile and he showed pretty much all of that like he stats wise it was also f insane right like what he pulled um uh, doing some of those maps and I remember we were sitting in voice and it's like yeah I it, it felt like if there was going to be a 3-0 it was definitely going to be Shanghai just like from the from the run-up to this also just there were definitely rumors in NA like scrim rumors mm. Seoul aren't doing that hot like people saying that they're the best team like either that's not true or that there's playing very significantly or performing significantly different in scrims than they're doing in, in live yeah. matches, which is the thing, by the way, that said though, by the way, like, honestly, I feel like scrim bucks on through this hero pool stuff. And if you have any idea how these comps play into each other, I actually gain some value, dude. Like mm. if you, if you, if you know what everyone's scrimming and what the bubbles are and who's beating who, right. I feel like I won't get many matches wrong this season, dude. Like, I I got maps wrong. I was I was ten for ten, and yeah, I think, I think it's I think it's because you have to take scrim super seriously because you don't have a ton of time to like really test and try out. So it is almost like an official. I would imagine. I again, I don't. I'm not participating in scrims. I don't watch scrims. I don't hear about scrims. But I would imagine because of the slow turnaround, you don't really get to try and test and and plan and and try specific 
you know, differences or like, oh, we're going to speed here instead of, you know, around this corner. Or we're going to use this ability here. It's more just very general, like trying to understand the lay of the land mm. before you get to test things out. And you're only going to be able to do that by actually like trying, like you're trying to win the scrim, right? And, and I think maybe I would, I, I don't want to speak for you, but winning the scrim previously in, in most esports, not necessarily what you were aiming to do. It's, it's, tr- it's practicing and, and, you know, trying to, file out the general idea and testing that idea whereas now in hero pools you might test compositions you might test you know certain players on certain heroes but it's less set plays and more just general concepts is that, is that kind of make sense would you agree with that i mean yeah i thought it was going to be work this way generally like okay. i thought coaching would eventually always like the more the less time you have the more it would move to like just teaching general so heuristics, like, like you see X and Y happens. So you're then saying that I, travel was going to give you that? Yeah, for instance. Okay, sure. And then okay. it turned, it turned for me, especially like what people were saying, like this is, you can't, like this idea of just coaching fundamental Overwatch and everything falls into place because it mm. plays all giga brain and are hacked into the, the game's mainframe and just understand all the values um, was always going to be like a ridiculous uh, notion to work from. But I think there's some merit now to saying, okay, some teams are definitely better at um, just like either very late into the week, finding out what works and then being in like the, the upset potential went down in that regard. Right. So for instance, you hear shock say, oh yeah, we actually learned of Sigma Reinhardt on Saturday. And then they just run that on Sunday or whatever, or Friday or then Sunday. Um, that, I didn't expect that to be a thing, though you could argue that maybe that's also to, that the fact that it worked is maybe also down to the valiance level of play. I don't yeah. know. But and I think it's column A, column B there. I think it's Shock is, is a you know, great team. I think Valiant you know, is, is struggling a little bit, obviously, with COVID dropping coaches and whatnot. But mm. I, th- I think to your point, good teams are going to be able to identify those really, really strong compositions. Maybe they just have the wrong read and they've seen the light or they've, you know. I think it's also out. just because we're rotating uh, archetypes so much at the moment. Sure. Where it's like, um, I mean, we, I feel like Saturday saw such a variety actually of just like all kinds of weird stuff, especially first matches. Like, for instance, like, of course, the, uh, the famous, um, Twitter feud of 2020 between Dream and uh, Jacob oh. Wolf with the pick rates that uh, Captain Planet posted. Then, like, th- yeah. like I, I was when I was talking to teams, and of course, like I'm also writing the article. I don't want to give pocket strats away. What yeah. I heard was uh, vanilla, as in like May McCree was going to be uh, played a lot, and it was actually also going to be played a lot in in uh, the Asian region, and they then. Maybe I, I forgot when I when I got that info because like your info can be very old if you ask on Wednesday and it's, oh, sure. it's Saturday and then someone found something out, right? Totally. So, um, yeah, I think like just having that stock uh, composition also helps a lot in just like having transitional properties. We just mm-hmm. like recycle certain rollouts or strategies or pathings, rotations. Um, to a degree, I'm not sure yet how 
how valuable all of that is and if we if we like can stay in the proximity of these compositions where it's like um maybe we're not lo- reinventing the wheel every week to a lot and it's it's that's not a an ultimate argument it's an argument of degrees of that being the case right sure. of like a spectrum of how true that is mm. and honestly like of course like for everyone involved it's a better thing when you don't need to learn every single single thing again and again uh, every week and there are pre-established things it could also very much be that there's social inertia where teams are just like dude I, I can physically not come up and just like race these strategies every single time we can physically not practice that much in order to always find the absolute best and we gotta we gotta go back to the things that we know and like just like chill for a while um also, of course, like for instance, <laughs> interesting that teams that took breaks, um, some, some minor breaks, actually didn't do that badly. No, I think uh, it's I think it's probably for the best, like to try and keep morale as high as possible right now. Obviously, you need to practice, need to you know refine your skill and whatnot. But uh, this season in general, even with travel, um, even with hero pools, it was going to be tough on the mentals. So just trying to maintain that as much as possible, I think was always going to you know benefit you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Doesn't surprise me. Yep. All right, dudes. I think it's time. Good show though. Yep. Lots of good stuff to talk about. Good today. times. Uh, before we do get out of here though, new, new, we do need to thank our video editor blue for uh, putting together all the clips. It was really great having uh, some B-roll. I have to look at optimizing how we're recording um, in the future, but it's uh, it, it felt really great to have something there to watch. I almost got distracted from listening to Joe and Yiska. It did it distract me some. Like, if you guys <laughs> noticed, I looked at that monitor more this episode than this one, so yeah. Yeah, but it, it is like, because oh, it's was, a great that addition. Was a sick boy. Yeah, it was really nice to have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, big thank you to everybody who hung out. Um, but so many people came out to watch this episode and it really helps us a ton. Again, we are, we're so close to getting partner or at least being able to apply for partner. We're just need to get the 75 concurrence. So anytime you see the show go live, if you can come hang out, lurk, whatever, uh, means a ton to us. So thank you so much, uh, to do that. Do need to thank our patron producers, <gasps> battle crab pin, lotion, Charlie L audio compass, pork chop, Sammy, cautious 67, coochie copy, salsa boy, 91, Shara Picasso and Naftali, and your misery. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, we appreciate you a ton and Yiska. I think we've got, uh, some new patrons this week, don't we? We do. Um, thank you, Matthew. O. and your misery. And that's not to say that we thank Matthew O's misery. That's just the second name that's on this list. And I opted to read them after another for comedic effect. And now I'm explaining this joke in a very German way in order to make it as awkward as possible. And I might fall into a German accent. We love you. I might be Chengdu Bob, but that was pretty bad, dog. <laughs> we love you we love you your misery you. is you in the misery. chat right now says they appreciate it so um <laughs> i'm not grimacing at your support of us i'm grimacing at our german fr- terrible terrible humor <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I i love that i made everyone so bad oh my god yeah yikes uh 
the <laughs> uh, Eric, Eric did make a good point in chat that I am the three-time game night champ from Friday. We did have our patron game night. It's true. And uh, had to stunt on these fools because Jackbox games are the only things I'm good at, I guess, these days. Suck at Valorant. Suck at Overwatch. Suck at everything else. But put me in some Jackbox games and we're going to we're going to go. All right. Anyways, um, other than that, yes, again, if you want to support the show, now's a really great time. Patreon.com slash tactical underscore crouch. Otherwise, uh, you can also support right here on this channel. Uh, Twitch.tv slash kick tripod. You can sub for free with Amazon Prime. Use your Twitch, tie it to your Twitch account and you can use Twitch Prime. You get a free sub every month. And uh, we appreciate that ton, that a ton. And if you can't support monetarily, we totally understand. If you go to iTunes, you can leave a five-star iTunes review, leave a little message, and we'll thank you on the show. No new five-star iTunes reviews this week. All right, Joe, shout-outs for the week, and where can people find you? can find me on all the socials at Volamel. That's V-O-L-A-M-E-L. Uh, just posted a kind of thought, think piece thought dump on the may madness tournament again i really hope we brand this tournament and we give it a name i think may madness is obviously the the go-to i think the league uh you know teased that i don't think they're gonna run with it well i hope they do but i, I don't know think i don't think that's like the name working behind the scenes um so that's out there very positive super excited to see what that brings um very bullish on it very very excited to see that um going to be writing some analysis on some interesting strategies in Valorant for GG Recon and possibly an interview coming in that same space for Esports 7. Obviously the other uh, piece in general um, being on Esports 7 as well, but stay tuned for some Overwatch and Valorant content on GG Recon uh, as a sister, you know, another byline. Nice. Uh, Yusuke, what about you? Shout out for the week real quick and where can we find you? Um, as always, uh, my Twitter at Yiska out. Um, I, uh, I'll have more Overwatch content. I think there's a lot to say at the moment. Also, I think there's maybe, maybe we can rally some people. Um, maybe we got to talk about, uh, like just, just honoring the legacy of some. We'll see. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, that's always good things to tackle, right? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, <That> was, <laughs> can you imagine this man holding an angle? You're angling over, uh, in Valorant, and he's just like, "Listen here, you. Shut it." Sorry. Get. <laughs> it's true. We we tried to play Valorant with uh, Yiska. On NA, I was hoping to get to after this and not we, bring that up. After we all got pretty hammered for the game night, and uh, it was not pretty at all. How you how you let a man on like 160 ping, like yeah. a, a gallon of wine in, top fragged. It was really funny. Oh God, man, it was an old man no less. Yeah, he, very old man. Cataracts forming. He only had one bottle of wine from a pitcher. Like that's not <sighs> much. Like if I were un unhindered, I I would have top fragged for sure. Uh, anyways, we're gonna go ahead and uh get out of here. I did have one last thing. Oh yeah, for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. And actually, pretty cool. 
I'm actually going to be hosting the Valhalla Invitational powered by Coil this uh, the next four weekends. Uh, Avril and Blank, uh, casters in the Overwatch scene. Of course, Avril uh, recently doing um, Contenders and the other thing that we just did that I forgot the name of. And then Banks and Mitchman um, from uh, CSGO is where they're at. So that's pretty cool. And then Medela is going to be with me on the desk as well as they just added uh, Ryan Central as well. So yep. uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, so come tune in this weekend if you're into kind of Valorant esports. Um, other than that, that's going to do it for us. Big thank you to everybody for hanging out. Hope you had a ton of fun. We'll be back after the music for the post show. Bye.